Matters. You are listening to Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM and com. Happy to have you here on that happy Wednesday because that's the day we air. And uh, wondering how you're doing? Send us an email. Ask the experts at excellentcultures.com. If at any point you got a question during the show, you also want to send us that email. Ask the experts at excellentcultures.com. And by the way, I uh, forgot, but I'm your host, Zach Gandra. With me, as always, the inimitable, immutable Steve Gandra. Inimitable and immutable. I'm starting to, I think, wear those handles. You wear them. You wear those. You yeah, wear those. Only my handles. wife. My <laughs> wife wishes that you would cancel the immutable one. You you let you wearing those love handles. Well, is that what you said? <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> Um, uh, this is going to air, uh, you know, after Mother's Day, but what are you thinking about Mother's Day there, Steve? I'm thinking that we should ask the mother what it is <laughs> that she wants to do and follow accordingly. I think I'm just going to buy her a bottle of wine and a day away from you. No, that's, that, a... that, that's not nearly <laughs> enough appreciation for what she deserves. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. So we, uh, everybody, if you know, I just wanted to remind you. That if you're an Android user, we are now on Stitcher app, so you can subscribe to the shows via Stitcher app. And as always, you iOS users, uh, like myself, Apple product users, we're always on iTunes. But we would appreciate you to go rate the show, uh, give us some feedback, tell us what you want, or even subscribe uh, via Stitcher or iTunes. That is always helpful for us, and it gives us feedback of uh, if we're if we're giving you stuff that you want or uh, or not, and so that we can get better in giving you the information you want. Today, Steve. Oh. FYI, I should say this: we have a we have a workshop coming up next week, week after, week after, week after next. You want to give a little spiel about the workshop? Coming yeah, up? May twenty through twenty first, the Achieving Excellent Culture Workshop. Great opportunity for business leaders, I'd say middle managers to CEOs of all sizes of firms to really catch up on the latest and greatest of, you know, how do you change a culture? How do you measure a culture? And speaking of culture, our guest today, Bobby Herrera, is uh, one of the best most knowledgeable really gets it uh, yeah. presenters i've ever heard on culture heard. in fact in fact pre-show he goes hey i know you know steve told me to you know promote my business and let me know but i, I want to get right into it i just want to talk about culture i don't want to do you know i don't need to do he's all a humble guy he's, yeah. he's, he's a <laughs> humble like guy yeah but i heard bobby speak at the ceo to ceo event here in the seattle area um, not too long ago yeah and immediately thought you know, this is a guy that we need to get on the show because he really gets it. Mm-hmm. And and we're excited to have him on. However, before I turn his mic on and we give him the, the clap track and really introduce him, uh, if you're interested, uh, Steve, you didn't say much quickly about our workshop, but what's going to be happening in that workshop? What can What's one thing, one great thing a leader can get from the next workshop? Well, I think the biggest thing the leader can get from a workshop is that with the new science that's available, you can actually measure your culture. Most yeah. leaders have no idea. Every, you know, the, the, the worst cultures we've ever seen are the cultures where the leaders think we have a pretty good culture around here. Yeah, It's below the surface, don't realize it, and you don't make it great with, uh, you know, keggers and ping pong. Hey, well, there's nothing wrong with a kegger and a ping pong, but it's it, not going to affect your culture well, too much. Well, the only thing wrong with a kegger and a ping pong is if you think it's improving your culture because you have keggers and ping I pong. I say it spurs creativity it. and yeah. productivity around here. Yeah, yeah. I lo- I, the keggers and ping pongs are ping pong are awesome, but uh, that's not going to affect your culture. Yeah, exactly. So let's, if if the goal is serving your customers and performance, and uh, and treating your uh, employees, as yeah, customers. Bar- Bobby's probably getting tired of listening. Yeah, to all so our let's welcome Bobby. Right Here's now. our famous clap track for Bobby Herrera. Hey, Bobby, the clap track. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> welcome was, to the show. I was enjoying the conversation. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, it was a, it was a lot of nothingness, but fun. <laughs> So, so Bobby, you got to tell us, uh, tell our listeners at least a little bit about uh, about your business and the work that you do, because I think it's really excellent. And the way you come at uh, helping organizations build cultures is really unique and cool. So, uh, tell us. Well, Steve, first of all, uh, thanks for having me, uh, Zach. I appreciate the time. And yeah, we're glad you know, to. You know. It's, uh, Steve, as we talked leading up to today, you know, the, the backdrop to the way we work is you know, we feel what we do is not nearly as important as why we do it. So you know, we believe everyone deserves an opportunity to succeed, and it's why we exist as a community. And in simplest form, my company, we're a bunch of serial underdogs who you know, our customers allow us to live out that belief by helping them achieve some of their biggest challenges are having with their contingent workforce, their non-permanent workforce. And we help them mitigate risk, save time and money, and 
uh, help them find and retain that top talent through that the various services we offer. And you know that's what we do. And as I mentioned, why we do it so much more important to us. So, what is a serial underdog? <laughs> a serial underdog. Uh, well, yeah, I uh, yeah, I often say all hell the underdog more so because yeah, it's uh, someone that plays with I wouldn't say a chip on their shoulder, plays with a log on their shoulder, and just knows that they can do it regardless of what it is, and that's a big component of our culture and more than anything, someone that is just wants that chance they know that they deserve. That describes a lot of my personal upbringing, and we do everything we can to bring that to life within our community. Yeah, that's a great definition. That's a great definition. So, Bobby, t- tell us um, a little a little bit more about your firm. I know that uh, mm-hmm. you, you help folks with uh, – is, tra- is their transitionary workforce is a good way – is that a good way to describe the people that you serve? Sure. You know, uh, you know, people, to single most important decision we make for our business, right? And how we engage those people is also one of the more complex decisions that we'll make. So, you know, a lot of our customers find themselves, as they're growing, they'll take a step back and they'll be asking themselves questions like, you know, how do you know when to hire a contingent worker versus an independent contractor? You know, what do you do when the person you want to hire requires some form of uh, immigration sponsorship? We all know what's happening with that trend. Sure. You know, how do you ensure your organization is in compliance with a vast array of ever-changing employment laws and guidelines? And uh, making sure that your organization is being responsible with how they hire contractors and what you're paying for them and so forth. And what we really do is help them get a strong grip on their you know, talent management strategy around their non-permanent workforce. And that's a trend that's growing very aggressively for companies. And we specifically help them by addressing uh, key areas where they self-identify talent that they can't necessarily hire permanently. We'll help them build a solution on how to do that the right way, minimizing the risk of worker misclassification, helping them with complex immigration scenarios. Uh, So we're more on the niche side of it. We do some recruiting, um, more around the, I call it the, the really smart, uh, people categories that are high demand, low supply. Yeah, well said. Well said. So, uh, Bobby, t- tell our listeners what your vision for a culture of mm-hmm. ethics, values, and employee engagement looks like. Yeah, great question, Steve. You know, when uh, yeah, when I think about culture, I I assess it quite simple. You know, I, I tend to oversimplify things in my mind, and you know, whether we plan it or not, culture is going to happen. You and I both agree and know that. And, you know, my vision for it, at, or I, our target, our destination is this place we call the unrealistic place. And, you know, there's record high levels of trust, there's candor, there's transparency, you know, we're worthy to be ourselves, uh, we behave as if life matters most, and we really live out that code, that feeling that we want um, to come to life in our community. And, that's what we embrace as we think about what culture means and that feeling that you want to have that resonates through everything you do in your community. Yeah, I tell you what I really got a kick out of was um, uh, your, in your firm, the populist group, you're listed as the, your title is the head servant to the community. Right. Yeah, what a great way to say it. Uh, thank you. Yeah, what thank a great way to say it because in this day and time, um, you know, it's so challenging for organizations to build a culture of service when everybody is all about the what's in me, what's in it for me perspective. Sure, sure. Yeah. So, in in all your years of being around businesses and organizations, and you know, helping so many with their you know transient workforce, as I describe it, uh, wh- where have you you know you seen um, this kind of culture? You know really thrive and where have you seen it to start to come unglued bobby so steve if i'm hearing the question so in other words you know what do i see those that do it really well where do they excel and, yeah where does it thrive know, where where do the wheels get loose per se yeah um you know uh i think that more often than not 
we, we tend to overcomplicate things, right? And not just as it pertains to culture, but business. And you know, ultimately, the, the gaps that I see, uh, I'll get to those in a minute, but where, where I see organizations thrive is you know, it starts at the top, and there's incredible cohesion with that team that is responsible for the rest of the community. You know, they have... They're, they're human, they're vulnerable, they, they share those traits that we all respect and want uh, from our leaders. So they focus on building uh, a community that has less politics, less confusion, their people's morale is high, and which in turn fuels everything that you do. Uh, versus those organizations that I see more gaps in, it usually is a symptom of you know the opposite. There's less of a focus on the healthy side of the business, as I just outlined, and there's more of a disproportionate focus on the smart side of the business. You know, the strategy, the marketing, the finance, the technology. I also call that the sexy side of the business, and I I usually segregate that view by given. Um, that picture from both sides of the equation. Yeah, very well said. Beautifully said. We got to go into our first break, everybody, and uh, cannot believe we're already through the first section. That means we got a good guest on the show. We'll be right back with Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 and excellentcultures.com. Remember when your company was awesome? It was you against the world. Successful strategy, to-do list, done, supersonic growth. But over time, the sharp edge gets dull, and good is good enough. Why? Because companies forget that bigger is not always better, that politics crush people, innovation, and creativity. And before you can say rotten corporate culture, social media posts are infecting your business. The answer? It's not just your corporate strategies, it's your corporate culture. Excellent companies know that bad culture eats great strategies for breakfast. These guys really get it. Whether you're a family biz or a Fortune 500, or a new biz and want to get it right, Excellent Cultures can bring you back to awesome, because they get it. What they know for sure? You don't need another consultant. Excellent Cultures gives you what you need to get what you want. Bottom line business results that last. How do they do it? With successful business leaders as coaches and proven scientific data. They read your company's culture from inside out. Think MRI. They give you fast, accurate bottom line tactics. They don't treat symptoms, they go for the cure. Based on science, they reveal the hearts and minds of your people using proven and concise data, not warm and fuzzy psychobabble. And here's the kicker. You get supervisors who coach and inspire, workers who love their work, and everyone, that's everyone, not just the boss, takes ownership and accountability. It just doesn't get much better than this. And if you're wondering if Excellent Cultures works, just ask a few of their grads. Don't let the culture monster eat your strategy for breakfast. Check it out for some free advice from one of their experts now, or start it yourself with their complimentary online business culture MRI. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM and ExcellentCultures.com. We have with us the head servant of the community, the best title of any group I have ever interviewed on this show, Mr. Bobby Herrera of the Populist Group. And uh, we're glad to have you have you on the show, sir. So en- enough well, glad, of this. Glad, glad to have you on the show, sir. <laughs> enough of this uh, CEO stuff. Let's have some... HSCs. Yeah, I just I just turn I just changed my email signature on my nonprofit that I run uh-huh. from founder to head to first servant in in the community. First servant. I literally just community. did that while we were yeah. in the first segment. Yeah. Bobby, you're changing cultures already. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, you're changing cultures already and the show is just barely on the air. So, before the break we were talking about 
you know, where you've seen culture start to thrive. And you, you gave a really good, you know, example about how it all starts at the top and with transparency and candor and, you know, talking about things the way they really are. Uh, tell us where you've seen uh, the wheels start to come off, so to speak. Where, where have you seen, you know, culture start to uh, go from from great to good to from good to mediocre and from mediocre to lousy? Sure. Well, you know, Steve, when we first um, talked about getting together at the CEO event uh, where I spoke recently, I believe there's there's areas that uh, I know I personally unintentionally overlooked in the beginning. And I believe as leaders that at times there, uh, there are so many things getting thrown our way that you don't intentionally look overlook some of those areas that could have the most profound impact on, uh, on your community that you're trying to build. And I try to simplify it to that audience then in a manner where they could self-measure it and do something with it. And what I've learned that the best do incredibly well and where we've made some mistakes that we corrected along the way was you know, the best do three things very well. They select well, they welcome well, and they develop well. And if you look at each three of those separately, you have to know that selection has nothing to do with hiring. They're completely different. And the same goes to welcome. Right? Organizations that thrive in building a magnetic culture, their welcome goes beyond the onboarding that most organizations do. And then the development, yeah, that isn't synonymous with training. That's every has everything to do with leadership and the rubber meets the road there and you know how you treat people, how they uh, respond to all the questions that you're you know, throwing their way and vice versa and how well you solicit ideas, all those things that make up great leadership. And um, that, 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 that's an area where I don't believe you can underserve because they play such a critical role in how anyone will evolve through your organization. Yeah, so well said. So let's let's go back to each of those points a minute because I feel like they're just so well said and so uh, much under discussed or under even thought about sure. in organizations and uh, businesses or communities as you call them so well. Um, talk a little bit about the the selection versus hiring. What's the difference? Yeah, selection is very intentional and. Although we could take a step back and say, well, I, I intended to bring this person onto my team. Yeah, it, it, selection is very specific to aligning to what you believe in as an organization, that value system, and asking an insane amount of questions around whether or not they're going to be able to live out those values, not only by who they are, by also who they want to become. And so the value component is non-negotiable. And then being able to uh, be very intentional about who you're allowing in the community that not only can they live out your value system, yet they immediately make the team better. Right? We become the average of the four or five people that we hang out with. And is the person that you're bringing onto your team immediately going to take your average north versus you know, hiring um, is done more on skill. The selection process that I just outlined, it's all about attitude. Right? 89% of the reasons that, 89% of the time, someone will uh, not fit into a job because if they don't demonstrate the attitude that's required for the organization or the, or the role. And you know, a lot of times when an organization hires versus selects, they're more interested on in what's on the resume whereas selection is more interested on uh, companies that select are more interested in what's not on the resume. Does that resonate, Steve? Yeah, it's really, really real, well said. So in essence, what you're saying is most businesses, and you're right, I mean, they hire for skill, mm -hmm. you know, and what I hear you saying is that uh, values alignment, not just uh, conversation, but real, what do you really believe and what values do you really embrace, what do you try to live is far more important even than the skill set. Uh, you got it. And you know, 
managers and leaders, wh- whatever vernacular you want to use, they're, they have so many competing priorities thrown their way that, in my experience, it's, it's more unintentional than uh, than it isn't. You know, they have deadlines they need to meet. There's uh, all types of plates are trying to spin and keep from falling that you know, they just need someone in the door. And you know, that's when you start mortgaging your future of your team is when you don't make you, you don't slow down enough to be very intentional about the type of person that you introduce into your team. Yeah, right on, right on. I heard um, one of the um, co-founders of Nordstrom's years ago in an executive forum that we were attending together uh, <clears throat> talk about in the early days uh, as, as the company first grew and went public and began to grow like crazy, um, right about the when they were written about in In Search of Excellence, the uh, core component of their hiring practice was very simple. Um, uh, ad- attitude, attitude and never having worked for another retailer before. And they felt like if you had the right attitude that was consistent with their values and no previous experience where you picked up any bad habits from others in their industry, that um, they could train you what they needed to train you to be successful in their business. And it worked. And it's still working. Yeah, it's still working. <laughs> it's still working. Absolutely. So uh, let's let's digress a little bit. Uh, how does someone that that is uh, in your business, you know, one of your clients that's mm-hmm. um, you know managing a transitionary workforce, uh, how how do they, you know, I can see really investing time and energy in the attitude and the value alignment if you're looking to hire someone for a long time. Sure. But if you're looking to hire someone to get a job done for six months. Uh, isn't that more skill-driven than than values-driven? Yeah, I would agree, uh, Steve. And what what we've you know, learned to do is take a step back, and you know, everything's going to be situational. And you know, more often than not, uh, there is more of a premium placed on the skill. Yet, what also needs to be considered is, yeah, that's not an or conversation for us. It's an and, right? So they still have to fit the unique personality that is required of the team, that's required of the organization. And uh, there's always a possibility, given what's happening with the workforce today, that uh, this person should be selected based on whether or not they could eventually migrate into the permanent workforce. So you have to slow down and make it more of an and conversation than an or conversation. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's go to the second component for a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. You know, you, you have a very unique way of looking at things that uh, typically never gets <clears throat> talked about in the re- in the real world of let's let's call it hiring and mm-hmm. onboarding practices. So the the welcome section. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we we learned the hard way. Yeah. Backdrop to all these is yeah. These are all areas that result, you know, evolved and resulted from you know, our own mistakes. And uh, you know, we'll be 13 as an organization this September. So you know, as I look back at those first five years, it's the most fun I never want to have again. And we made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> and yeah, although we're going to be 13, which would technically put us in what, seventh, eighth grade, maybe? Yeah. Uh, we flunked at least three times, Steve. So <laughs> we're a really big fifth grader. So we have a lot. Of <laughs> and as, as, we, as we landed in these um, areas of focus around the welcome piece, in its simplest form, we learned that most people will do most anything you ask them to do if they understand why. So the welcome component I would encourage leaders out there to take a step back and and ask themselves, hey, do those people that we select into our community know why we exist? Do they know how we behave? Do they know why we do what we do? Who do we help? Who do we serve? And do they have the appropriate context to truly understand where they belong in their, ecos- their uh, ecosystem? And... What we learned the hard way was you know, the first few weeks of someone coming into the community, that's stressful enough. Right? Switching jobs is one of the most stressful things that any of us are going to do. 
why not find a way to give them the context they need and we become the stories we tell so for us it's about giving those climbers that walk that that become part of our community all the answers to the questions you know why we exist sharing our stories connecting them with our our veterans of the community and so they know exactly what great looks like and what role they play in this bigger part uh, of the community and you know, we ultimately believe that I mean most of us want to be part of bigger something bigger than ourselves so um, we call it the why and you can't get that if you're not investing the time up front right does that resonate Steve Absolutely. Yeah, that's Absolutely. Huge. This is one of our, um, I mean, no no sloughing against our other guests, but this is one of our better shows. I'm just going to throw that out well, there. Well, Bobby, Bobby gets it. You know, yeah. he, he gets it, and he gets it because, as he so candidly said, um, <clears throat> he has a lot of battle scars. Yeah. <laughs> he has he's a, a big bat- fifth grader. <laughs> yeah, he uh, has a lot of battle scars. Yeah. we got to go into a break here, guys, but uh, if you have missed the first half of the show, you want to catch that at Excellent Cultures. or search Excellent Cultures on iTunes or Stitcher if you're an Android user. But we will be right back with uh, Bobby Herrera. And you've been listening to Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM and ExcellentCultures.com. We'll be right back. Remember when your company was awesome? It was you against the world. Successful strategy. To-do list, done. Supersonic growth. But over time, the sharp edge gets dull, and good is good enough. Why? Because companies forget that bigger is not always better. That politics crush people, innovation, and creativity. And before you can say rotten corporate culture, social media posts are infecting your business. The answer? It's not just your corporate strategies. It's your corporate culture. Excellent companies know that bad culture eats great strategies for breakfast. These guys really get it. Whether you're a family biz or a Fortune 500, or a new biz and want to get it right, Excellent Cultures can bring you back to awesome because they get it. What they know for sure? You don't need another consultant. Excellent Cultures gives you what you need to get what you want. Bottom line business results that last. How do they do it? With successful business leaders as coaches and proven scientific data. They read your company's culture from inside out. Think MRI. They give you fast, accurate bottom line tactics. They don't treat symptoms. They go for the cure. Based on science, they reveal the hearts and minds of your people using proven and concise data, not warm and fuzzy psychobabble. And here's the kicker. You get supervisors who coach and inspire, workers who love their work, and everyone, that's everyone, not just the boss, takes ownership and accountability. It just doesn't get much better than this. And if you're wondering if Excellent Cultures works, just ask a few of their grads. Don't let the culture monster eat your strategy for breakfast. Check it out for some free advice from one of their experts now, or start it yourself with their complimentary online business culture MRI. And we're back. Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM and ExcellentCultures.com. We are interviewing Bobby Herrera of Populous today. And what a show, Steve. Like, we, I'm jotting down notes. Um, we just talked about onboarding process, which Bobby... Bobby talked three different three different parts of, of building a culture is welcome. select select the team well, uh, welcome them well, and then develop develop them well. Do you have? Uh, an, I'm sure you do. You've got a list of questions on where we're going next, huh? Well, I wanted I wanted to give Bobby a chance to talk about the development piece. I yeah. Mean, um, you know, I I I've had, good golly, uh, thirty plus years of talking to very very successful companies that um, have no budget for developing people. Right. And yet they've grown and become huge and significant. 
And then yet, at Bobby, as Bobby knows, at some point in time, everybody wakes up and realizes, wait a minute, we got it. Where does that growth usually come from? What a great product or yeah, a, a, a great or... product, a great system, a great process, you know, right. a good idea. Um, but uh, sooner or later, you know, everything comes back to people, and the more people that the more people that it takes to run your machine, whatever it is, yeah. Uh, every you know, the the more that sooner or later everything comes back to people right so bobby t talk to us about your perspective on the development piece you got it um yeah steve when uh, i mentioned the three earlier yeah, we talked about how development isn't synonymous with training you know too often uh, we'll see that uh, when it comes to giving our people the resources they need we'll send them off to a training course or we'll send them off to a class and so forth, and there's very few levels of accountability or what I like to ask is, how do you know you're applying what, you, what you've learned? And for, for the development piece, it really starts with the leader themselves, right? Good, leader, good leaders cultivate themselves through personal growth. And where we had to evolve in this area was you know, how are we making ourselves better as leaders? And what do those development plans uh, look like? What kind of environment are we fostering for growth? You know, what do we need to do for ourselves so that we can make better choices, not only for us, but for our people? And how is that cascading? Um, so in its simplest form, it starts with a leader and their ownership for their self-development. And you know, people do what people see, right? So the organization's only going to develop themselves with the same level of you know, intensity and intentionality as, as their leaders. So I believe it starts there. And then uh, after you set that example, then you have to make sure that you take a step back. And for your people, you're saying, hey, what are their strengths? What are their gifts to the community? And how can I give them all the time and energy that's necessary to make them better? Because you know, forget weaknesses. We don't like working on those. Right. Does, does that give you enough context, Steve? Yeah, I think so. I think it? so. So what I hear you saying is that, you know, zero in and working on the strengths, finding out what everybody needs, and the big piece that I heard that I don't know if, you know, if we underscored it enough so we will now is that it's based upon uh, the free will of what people want to learn, what they want to grow, where they want to develop not just the big machine that they yeah. get thrown into to move down the track. You got it. We're all different. Our situations are all uh, different. We all learn differently. And ultimately, it's the responsibility of the leader to make themselves better. Right. And then you know, take a step back and evaluate. Uh, I, I often say that you know, the fundamental to both leadership and sales is it's uh, I have a phrase that I tie around, and it's like, don't be anything until you know who you need to be, right? So your first responsibility is, who do I need to be for this person? And what are they great at? And how can I help them get to where they want to go? What's their biggest dream? Yeah. That's, that's our responsibility, and we have to take a step back and assess that. And if it doesn't start with us, well, they're never going to do it. Right, yeah. That's a key thing that I think a lot of... Well, I mean, I've forgot it as a leader of, of an organization and different things is is that good leaders develop themselves. Like you get in a rhythm, you get in a habit, you're doing your thing and you forget and then quickly quickly you start sensing feeling burnout. You start you start yelling at people, you start making demands instead of asking questions and uh, you gotta go back to the drawing board and go, Okay, back it up. Well but how how, how, we forget that? how infrequently is that question what's your biggest dream ever even asked, oh, yeah, you know, absolutely. Let, let alone paid attention to. And I would, would you agree with this, Bobby, that a good leader asks themselves that question all the time? Uh, constantly. Yeah. Zach, you have to, <laughs> you have to know it and you have to know how you're making progress towards it. You know, and most, most importantly, your community has to know. Right. Yeah. Right. They have to know what you stand for, what's important to you. And a lot of leaders are, uh, and just aside, an aside, yeah, that word, too, I believe, is overcomplicated, overused, right? Leader, right. servant, whatever you want right. to um, reference it as. It You have to be yourself. And too often I see that there's a 
there's a gap there in authenticity and the people who are running their communities. I I lately have grown adverse to using the word leader. Mm -hmm. I, for whatever reason right now, I'm on this kick of saying facilitator instead. Mm -hmm. You know, it just, for me, it gives me the, uh, the word facilitator means it Mm -hmm. is not about me. It's about helping Mm -hmm. others and us that we're all going the same way to facilitate that going the same way. You got it. The word leader, like it just means, I don't know. And maybe it's just an American culture thing. Maybe it's everywhere. But when I, when I hear leader, I feel dictator. (laughs) I don't know why that is. Maybe it's just Mm -hmm. me. And sometimes there's unintentional pressure behind it, right? You right. have to you have to be this certain, you know, stereotype or prototype and it doesn't mean that at all. Right. It's just hey, uh, I often, you know, ask uh, the leaders in our community a few fundamental questions. There's four that I that I ask very frequently is, you know, first and foremost, uh, who are you becoming? Second, are you a student? And two, third, are you uncomfortable? And then fourth, are you giving more than you're taking? And if you take a step back and you ask yourself those four questions and really walk yourself through the exercise of uh, addressing those four, honestly, you'll learn quite a bit about yourself. That's huge. Yeah. Those are critical questions, Bobby. Say them again so we can make sure and, and everybody can get a chance to listen to them. Who are you becoming is the first one. Who are you becoming? Are you a student? Are you uncomfortable? And are you giving more than you're taking? Uh, when someone gives you the, no, nah, I'm not uncomfortable at all um, response, what does that tell you? Uh, what, is, what is my response? What, that they're not uncomfortable? Well, I would say, what is your perspective when you hear that? Well, here's, here's what I mean by, here's what I mean in English by, are you uncomfortable, right? So most people, we've, most people have heard the term comfort zone. Sure. Right. So, uh, yeah, what it said, like almost 90% of people in the world rarely leave their comfort zones, whatever it is. And yeah. outside of your comfort zones, where the magic happens. Right. So, what I'll then do is just ask an insane amount of questions around, you know, what are you exposing yourself to? What new things are you learning? What is it that, uh, you know, what are you, what are you best at? And how are you making yourself better? Because, you know, I'm validating for actions, and those speak a lot more intensely to me than what someone tells me they're doing. I'm looking to validate and inspect, well, how are you putting yourself out there, right? Yeah, no Does kidding. Does that resonate, Steve? No yeah. kidding. So um, can you think of, you know, any, you know, any trouble signs, any... Uh, when I hear this, I say, uh-oh, uh, you need to pay attention. Any trouble signs that leaders of communities, as you call them, um, should watch out for that tell them that their culture is moving in the wrong direction? So I think the question I heard is, hey, what are some, yeah, what are some symptoms that may evolve within the community? Exactly. Symptoms is a great word. You got it, right? So I'll take you back to that first uh, backdrop that I gave around the healthy side of the business versus the smart side of the business. And, you know, I'm a student of Patrick Lencioni, and uh, I've worked fiercely to apply his lessons through his fables. And uh, I, would, I would ask him to take a step back and assess you know, how much bureaucracy is within my community. Mm. And... That right there will speak volumes to how healthy and to the strength of your culture. If it's highly bureaucratic and it takes you a long time to make decisions, and uh, a lot of times it's that feeling. I mean, we all have that meter in our belly. So you can get a pretty quick gauge uh, from a, you know, when you, when you walk the halls and you look at some of your biggest decisions to assess just how unhealthy or healthy your culture may be. And, you know, I often ask them to hey, evaluate for the, you know, how often do uh, are there stories of where people have the Sunday blues, right? They don't want to go to work on Monday. So you know, how many ideas are you getting from those that have the most information? And you can measure if, if all your ideas and everything you're doing is coming from the top, eh, what are you doing to foster 
an environment to mm-hmm. where those that have the most information are also coming forth. Yeah, that's a really good sign that's right huge. there. If all yeah. the ideas are coming from the top, <clears throat> that's a trouble sign. You got it. If you're the smartest one in the room, that's a trouble sign. <laughs> you got it. The, the we, leader, leadership change, not the IQ chain. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. If we got to go into a break. If you're not still in the fifth grade attitudinally, <laughs> that's a trouble sign. Ah, to be a fifth grader again. All right. Mm-hmm. We got to go into our last and final break, everybody. Uh, we're with Bobby Herrera from Populous Group, and you're listening to Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM and com. We'll be right back. Remember when your company was awesome? It was you against the world. Successful strategy, to-do list, done, supersonic growth. But over time, the sharp edge gets dull, and good is good enough. Why? Because companies forget that bigger is not always better, that politics crush people, innovation, and creativity. And before you can say rotten corporate culture, social media posts are infecting your business. The answer? It's not just your corporate strategies, it's your corporate culture. Excellent companies know that bad culture eats great strategies for breakfast. These guys really get it. Whether you're a family biz or a Fortune 500, or a new biz and want to get it right, excellent cultures can bring you back to awesome, because they get it. What they know for sure? You don't need another consultant. Excellent cultures gives you what you need to get what you want. Bottom line business results that last. How do they do it? With successful business leaders as coaches and proven scientific data. They read your company's culture from inside out. Think MRI. They give you fast, accurate bottom line tactics. They don't treat symptoms, they go for the cure. Based on science, they reveal the hearts and minds of your people using proven and concise data not warm and fuzzy psychobabble. And here's the kicker. You get supervisors who coach and inspire, workers who love their work, and everyone, that's everyone, not just the boss, takes ownership and accountability. It just doesn't get much better than this. And if you're wondering if Excellent Cultures works, just ask a few of their grads. Don't let the culture monster eat your strategy for breakfast. Check it out for some free advice from one of their experts now or start it yourself with their complimentary online business culture MRI. We're back here, everybody, with Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM and com, iTunes, Stitcher, and the rest, and we have a great guest with us today, Mr. Bobby Herrera of Populous Group, and the last three segments have been more than bite-sized, but uh, easily remember, rememberable, applicable. What were you saying, the immutable? Loaded with great content. Loaded with yeah, it. Yeah, just loaded with great By, content. Speaking of immutable, you know what I realized today, Steve? The what? mute button on your mic is not working today. Well, that's okay, because now you're, I can just talk more, all I want to, and you cannot mute me. You're even me. more immutable. Yeah, you can't mute me. <laughs> so, uh, Bobby, as we uh, kind of revisit this, you know, l- lately we've had this... Uh, conundrum going with our workforce in the United States where 70% of our workforce tell the Gallup confidential poll, they won't tell their boss this, but they tell the Gallup confidential poll that they're disengaged with their jobs. Uh, The most recent poll a year ago in October, they told the poll that um, 18% actually hated their jobs, and the most common reason that they hated their job was they hated their boss. So, you know, Jim Clifton, the CEO of Gallup, in his cover memo for the last survey delivery, calls this a new generation of managers from hell, you know, yeah. that, peop- that people hate. What, what connection do you see, connection do you see between, you know, a, a culture of, of ethics, values, and employee engagement, uh, you know, and the number that, uh, gosh, how awful is that for America to score that poorly on our engagement surveys? You know what's interesting about those uh, those surveys and uh, the takeaways that we have from those is 
I believe most of them can be um, can be profoundly impacted with slowing down and focusing on those areas of our organization that we've been talking about today. Yeah, so I think they're very closely related. Um, by no means um, is that synonymous with you know simplicity. Yeah, the stuff that we've talked about today, it's simple. It's just not easy. I mean, I'd go as far as right. saying it. It is exhausting. Right. And it takes a an insane amount of effort and you know resilience to keep focusing on you know, building a strong culture and. I think that's why a lot of organizations uh, don't do it at times because it's hard yeah. and you give up. So, and you know, obviously there's a lot of other dynamics at play. Yet, um, my humble opinion is that they're very closely related to. You. Yeah. Well, you're, you're so far your humble opinions have been mm-hmm. pretty good. <laughs> been, I don't know if this is good or not on the air, but they've been kick-ass, man. Yeah. Like, been yeah. Very, very. And yeah. I love that there is the truth and reality, but very simple, but simple in in discussion, tough in sure. implementation. And that's another word that I've stopped using is effort, and I try to use intentionality <laughs> because effort makes me feel like I got to try so hard, and intentionality sure. just reminds me. I don't know. I'm a semantics guy try to trick myself into doing the right sure. thing. <laughs> you guys. Yeah, it, yeah, so Bobby, in your your business where mm-hmm. where you're, you know, you're so busy helping firms find, you know, uh sometimes a temporary workforce for lack of a better way to describe mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, where does the engagement index come in or is is it even important if you're just hiring someone to get a job done for a short period of time? Great question, Steve. Yeah, we see, yeah, we see it be, we see it become very prevalent. You know, because people still want to enjoy where they're going to work. Yeah, I mean, when you really calculate it, uh, think about it, right? So we all the time we spend thinking about work, getting ready for work, commuting to and from, being there. It's a disproportionate amount of time in our lives. So yeah, no one likes being miserable where they're going. So it plays a big factor. And if we could go back to that disengagement variable and the simplicity of it, you know, Zach, to your point, uh, ultimately, I believe it's a responsibility of those of us that are, you know, responsible for the dreams of of our people to, you know, ask ourselves some real simple questions, right? Do do my people believe in in the future of the organization? You know, can they grow with it? Are they treated? well and fairly and do they know that their work uh matters and does because you know, they're all taking a step back and wondering you know does my work give me personal accomplishment but is it relevant to you know, to what i'm doing you know, they're they're simple questions we just need to slow down and ask them more frequently and tie action to it yeah, that's right. So typically, when you're um, coaching employers, mm-hmm. um, d- does your team give them a, a list or a boilerplate of these kind of questions that they can draw from in order to, you know, make the right decisions? Or you guys, you know, do it for them and then just match up the, you know, the right employee with the right employer, so to speak? More the, more the latter Steve, because at the varying levels where we get engaged with our customers, um, a lot of times the services that we're providing them are more on a, in some cases are on a very macro scale around a specific problem that we're helping them solve around how they do it. And it's less around, you know, making that alignment. So a lot of the themes I've been speaking about today are more how, we view it internally, and you know, that's where we have the control that that we all need and that, that we all want. So, does that help you understand? Yeah, I think it does. I, different I, there. I, I think it says it. Ver- I think it says it very well. And mm-hmm. um, you know, you you certainly have had uh, enough opportunities mm-hmm. to capture this kind of feedback from you know the number of clients mm-hmm. that you and your your team serves. Um, uh, so so. To kind of boil down what we've talked about today, if you're going to put your coach's hat on, 
mm-hmm. and really start, you know, zeroing in on, you know, what what can you tell leaders um, that is most important, you know, that if their if their goal is to not just build a culture of ethics, values, and employee engagement, but to sustain one, you know, what are the what are the bottom lines that you could tell them from a coach's standpoint of make sure you do this and you do this and you do this other than, you know, kind of what you've covered already. And even maybe, maybe what you've covered already, those three points uh, are kind of all that there is. But what would the coach say? Yeah, good question, uh, Steve. What I heard was more, you know, by perhaps you can share a, you know, whether it be a big mistake or something, a big moment or something that share that took your light bulb from 40 to 100 watts. And, yeah, that's that uh, would be a great one. Yeah, there's one that, uh, yeah, there's obviously a lot of work that could be done in those three areas that, uh, that we discussed earlier. But I would ask leaders to take a step back and ask themselves what they, what they would learn if uh, they looked at their leadership in the organization. And as they're looking at their leaders, what would they learn if they had every one of their leaders for, say, three or four weeks track their question-to-statement ratio? And... Uh, what would that tell them? You know, if they had an organization where their leaders had a disproportionate amount of questions or statements, in other words, they weren't giving everybody the answers, my speculation would be that they would learn that they'd have, they have a highly engaged workforce that is learning to think for themselves and is building significant levels of trust with their leader. Now, on the flip side of it, if they had an organization that their leaders won't and can't slow down, and they have that adrenaline uh, bias, then, and, and they have more, you know, they have a, they're, they're giving more answers than they're asking questions, I would speculate that they're going to land somewhere in a category that isn't as highly engaged as that, the, the other example I gave. Uh, and I believe we all, yeah, we'll all listen to things that come out of our own, out of our own head and out of our own mouth before, yeah, our, the advice we give ourselves is usually the best advice we get, right? So, you know, if we could just learn to take it, huh? You got it. You got yeah. it. That and the in the advice we get from our wife. Yeah, exactly. If we could just learn to take it. <laughs> All right, boys, uh, we're out of time. And how I judge a great show is when the time flies by and the time flew by. So, Bobby, thank you for being with us. You're welcome. Do you I think? Appreciate you having me. Do you think we can sign you up for a round two at some point? Uh, I'd be honored. Awesome. Yeah. We yeah. are happy. We'd Wonderful happy job, Bobby. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Hey, guys, remember, we can, uh, you can listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Go ahead and subscribe. Uh, hit the subscribe button, and we'd love to get your feedback there, too. Rate us. Give us a comment. Uh, all of that helps us spread the message of uh, helping the good guys win in business and culture, and it also uh, provides us some feedback of what you'd like to hear and, and where we're going and how we're doing. So go ahead and do that. Uh, If you're interested in uh, chatting with Excellent Cultures or Bobby Herrera, go ahead and email us at asktheexperts at excellentcultures.com, and we can pass Bobby's information on to you. Or you could just go to uh, populistgroup.com, I believe. Right, Steve, you think? That's it. All right. We're out of time. See you next time. You've been listening to Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM and excellentcultures.com. Excellent Cultures.